This one is all about the market's crew. Let's ranch it up. Good day, everyone, and thanks for riding with us as we ranch it up. I am your host and producer, Jeff Tigger Earhart. Tigger. A big thank you goes out to our partners, Varmatam, Imogene Ingredients, Neogen, Allied Genetic Resources, LivestockMarket.com, Warner Beef Genetics, Medora Boot and Western Wear, RFD TV, The Cowboy Channel, and Wrangler. Crew, this one is by request. Y'all have asked me to go more in-depth into the markets, into the numbers, head to the meat case, find out those prices, give us some more information. Well, y'all have spoken, and I have delivered. Let's start this one out. We're heading to the sale reports. Starting things out today, heading to the cold country by request. Lake Region Livestock on the steer side, 498 weights. I'm just going to call them five weights. These are blacks and black white-faced steers coming in at $1.97 and a half. 589 weight steers, blacks and black white faces at $1.86. I've got some blacks and some Charlotte steers at 762 weights coming in at $1.6075. And then I've got a group of red and Charlotte cross steers. 881 is the weight on those coming in at $1.51 and a half. On the heifer side, 641 weight heifers. These are blacks and black white faces coming in at $1.61. Some blacks and Charlotte cross heifers, weights right around seven forty-three, coming in at a dollar fifty and a half, and then some red and Charlotte cross heifers, eight hundred and ten pounds at Devils Lake, North Dakota. As I said, the cold country coming in at a dollar forty-five seventy-five. And a weekly summary from the state of Texas last week. Here's what I've got: five to five and a half weight steers at a dollar eighty-nine to a dollar ninety-four. Five and a half to six weights at a dollar fifty-two to a dollar seventy-six. Six to six forty weights at a dollar sixty-two to a dollar seventy. Six and a half to seven weight steers at a dollar fifty-five to a dollar sixty-nine and a half. Seven to seven and a half weight steers, a dollar fifty-five to a dollar sixty-six seventy-five. Seven and a half to eight weights, a dollar fifty-six to a dollar fifty-eight and a half. Eight to eight and a half weight steers at a dollar fifty-two. $2.57. Then I'm going to wrap up with 850 to 870 weight steers at a dollar fifty-three and a quarter to a dollar fifty-six and a half. Now heading to the heifers. A recap from the state of Texas last week. Here's what I've got for y'all: five to five and a half weights at a dollar forty-four to a dollar seventy-one. Five and a half to five eighty-five weights at a dollar forty-six to a dollar sixty-two. Six to six and a half weights at a dollar forty-eight and a half to a dollar sixty-one. 660 to 7 weights at $1.43 to $1.53 and a half. 7 to 7 and a half weights, $1.45 to $1.58. 7.70 to 7.80 weight heifers at $1.46 to $1.50. And then 8 to 8.20 weight heifers at $1.45 to $1.48 and a quarter. On the cow side of things, the way up cows, the low yielding cows from 32 to 53. The average yielding cows from 52 to 71 and a half. The high yielding cows, 71 up to 83 and a half. And the way up bulls, 74 all the way up to a buck. Hey crew, Mark Van Z with LivestockMarket.com. Wanted to talk to you about our February 2nd special seed stock bull online auction. Bidding opens Wednesday, January 26th on LivestockMarket.com and AuctionTime.com. We got 260 head listed across 98 lots. 66 featured bulls in total from 13 different states, including 24 Angus bulls, 10 Herefords, 7 Brahmin, 4 Semental, and 3 Red Angus, plus 25 head of Black Hereford, 
Brangus, Limfex, Limousine, Longhorn, Shorthorn, Simangus, and some Tiger Stripes. Many of these bulls are registered and they will sell with papers. Opening bids are as low as $100 with no hidden reserves. Other select lots on this sale include 55 head of purebred Black Angus bred heifers from Far West Farms in Kingston, Missouri, 36 head of full blood Bradford bred Herefords from Thomas Cattle Company, 19 head of crossbred Charlay Angus Hereford steers weighing 890 pounds from Sea Bar Feeder in Creamen, Texas. Plus, we got seven horses on this auction. They're all rain cow bred stuff, uh, mostly colts and fillies. Um, and a beautiful finished uh, quarter pony that you got to check out. Um, plus, we got 21 lots of hay and straw, over 1,200 bales in total. It's going to be all large round and small squares. You can view and bid today on LivestockMarket.com and AuctionTime.com. Next week, Wednesday, crew, February 2nd, LivestockMarket.com. By the way, we're putting together a catalog, a database of all of those various private treaty sales, and there are a bunch of them. So if you would, fire that information my direction, if you would, please, with some information. Like I said, we're putting together as many sale reports we can from the private treaty side. You can send an email to me, ranchitupshow at gmail.com. Text me that information. You can get a hold of me on social media just we're looking to gather as much as we possibly can. Now, up next, our old friend Shaley Stewart is in the house. We're talking about the markets. There's a whole one, as we said, crew. So stick around. We've got a lot of the show coming up right after this. I want to introduce you all to a top source of Gelvy Balancer and Angus genetics that can change your outfit. Warner Beef Genetics, selling 145 Gelvy Balancer and Angus bulls, Wednesday, March 2nd at the ranch in Arapahoe, Nebraska. Bid and buy online at dbauction.com. More details at warnerbeef.com and on Facebook at Warner Beef. Wednesday, March 2nd, Arapahoe, Nebraska, Warner Beef Genetics. There's the details, crew. Just don't miss out. Check out LivestockMarket.com. Sales manager for LivestockMarket.com, Mark Vanzi. LivestockMarket.com is a centralized online platform for online sales of all types of livestock, as well as hay and straw. LivestockMarket.com is brought to you by Tractor House and Auction Time, the industry-leading marketplace for connecting buyers and sellers of farm equipment. The online platform that works without all the restrictions. LivestockMarket.com. On Facebook, too. Before you purchase your next set of bulls or females, remember this. The seed stock business is about genetic improvement and customer service. Ally Genetic Resources understands this as well as anyone. Marty Ropp with Ally. That's our charges as seed stock producers is you know, people look at us and you've got to make genetics that work better for us. We see that charge. We understand that charge. And we're going to use all the tools we can to get there. Ally Genetic Resources, where the mission is commercial customer success, period. Today's cattle battle is brought to us by LivestockMarket.com. Crew, while you're snooping around and while you're shopping, maybe you're placing a bid, maybe you're selling, check out EquineMarket.com that Mark Banzi has talked about before. LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com. Let's get it on. Cattle battle. Shaley Stewart, Cattle Market News and DTN. So glad to have you back on the show. I know we visited, I think it was right around Christmas time, and we were just kind of yes. shooting the breeze and just kind of catching up and, you know, memories and congratulating you on the addition to your family, which, how's that going, by the way? 
Oh man, it's awesome. Stetson survived the holidays and he's growing like a weed. We've introduced solid foods. And so we are living the high life. And so, hey, thanks for asking. He is a little monster. The picture. (laughs) Oh my goodness, Shaylee. He is, you know, when you're holding him, you are going to be one ripped buff gal. I mean, from toting this dude around. Oh, well, it's funny. You you know, it, he looks like a normal kid, but it's so funny. He is totally taken on his daddy's genes already. For our listeners, Jimmy is 6'8 and about 200 pounds. And so old Stetson is, is taking that on. He's in the 97th percentile for height, but the 13th percentile for weight. So <laughs> we got to make sure he gets his Wheaties. Oh, my goodness. Hey, I wanted to visit a little bit uh, and, and wish Jimmy the best for me, by the way. I don't get a chance to visit with him enough. Um, I wanted to touch base with you a little bit and talk more about the markets. We've had requests if we would go more into this, if we would dive more into this. And uh, just over last weekend, I was I caught the evening, the the national evening news, which I, I normally am never in the house at that time to catch it. And they had a a package on uh, the the retail prices of protein, specifically beef. So you can imagine. I mean, I was was zoomed in on this. And, you know, talking about Packer consolidation and talking about Packer ownership and control of 85% of the the market that is out there. So naturally, I'm really paying attention to this whole (laughs) darn thing. So my first question is, um, roughly speaking, where you are at in Wyoming, Retail prices, can you confirm that, that even where you're at in rural America, that yes, they have been jumping substantially too? Oh, 100%. It doesn't matter where you shop here. I mean, we're in northern Wyoming. I think that this has been a ripple effect throughout the entire United States. And whether you look at our small sector of Wyoming, which I keep tabs on, or you look at the broader United States, this isn't in a singular area's trouble or burden. This is a problem throughout the whole United States. So was part of this in, in your research of the people that, that you talked to, which um, in, in this is why I love following your uh, you know market recaps and your market analysis, too, because a lot of what you're doing is just visiting with folks and just finding out, you know, what are people thinking? What are people feeling? So there he is making his presence. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to Stetson. So- <laughs> Good stuff. What are some of your people saying with this price, uh, this jump in prices? Has a lot of this been because of drought that so many people in the north have experienced? Has it been because we have a uh, kind of a, a lagging number of uh, in the cow herd that we're slowly replenishing? What are they saying that? Here's kind of some of the big reasons of these jumps. Actually, really what this comes down to is a couple factors. And so we're going to start and we're going to go through them in a uh, numerical order. So first and foremost is that beef demand is phenomenal, both here domestically and internationally. We had an absolutely ginormous year in 2021 in regards to beef exports. So that's phenomenal. We were able to market our product and get great prices out of out of the beef that we sold. But then not only was the beef sought from foreigners, but also both here domestically, even though prices are absurdly higher than what they were throughout pretty much most of 2020, other than in May and June when we were shut down mm-hmm. for um, the reduced packing speeds. So honestly, what this stems from is that the U.S. consumer wants beef. 
they want beef, they trust beef, they savor beef, they, they, they look forward to cooking beef. And that is good. We are so thankful that consumers are picking beef. But at the same time, there is this lingering problem, there is going to be this lingering question mark, at, because at some point, uh, consumers are going to go to the meat counters and say, by goodness gracious, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of paying these outrageous prices. So why have or they may have to up? pass it by just because of the price? Yes, yeah. exactly. So largely, the as we all know, packers control the supply chain. They buy the cattle on one end, sell the meat on the other, and so they've been able to dictate what box beef prices are. That's been to their benefit, obviously, as they're gaining a large, large, large um year over year price jump in box beef prices and so they've been able to upcharge me and consumers have continued to pay for it so they've been doing so and so largely the reason why box beef prices have been higher is because people want beef and packers are able to charge what they have been able to so so a lot of basic e- e- excuse me economics of supply and demand uh absolutely uh, to the nth degree so let me ask you this Shaylee, and and you and i visit a uh, in depth, sometimes with a little bit of fire and passion, and some adjectives we use to uh, to describe some things. What are your thoughts on individuals opening opening up? Excuse me, smaller packing plants around the country. It's become very popular. We see it all over. I'm sure in your area too, where maybe there's a a co-op of three or four people get together and and they buy that old butcher house and they they are starting their own little packing plant and they're expanding. What's your thoughts on that? type of uh, a business structure. I absolutely love it. I think that it is a great way for local communities to take care of their populace and to continue to make sure that meat goes into the homes and communities in which they encompass. And so I'm so proud of those individuals because it's not an easy business endeavor. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of work. It's and it's not and it's not necessarily fun work. It's a lot mm-hmm. of work to cut up an animal. It's it's right, grueling. Right. It's laborious. It's not easy. It's it's extensive. And it work. takes a lot of knowledge too to be able to do that yes. properly to to meet yes. what consumers are are demanding because if if i kind of go back and look a little bit uh I, by golly there's all kinds of cuts of meat that i have to well look up, <laughs> look yeah, up. Where, what it, is that it, one? it's got a funky name or right. or it can be called this today but it's also referred to as this so no you're so right they, they have to be sharp and knowledgeable and so i love the fact that people are doing that and i i only would continue and i w- would only urge people to continue to do so if they have the resources and availability to do so but what i will also say is that while those processing plants are so welcomed we also have still got to address that the big four companies control such a large share of the meatpacking sector. 85 percent. To some degree, yes, they have got to be either broke up or there has got to be more competition added to that sector and that level. Because while these small processing, processing plants are so wonderful in nature, and I'm so glad that they're happening, we still have to address the bigger daunting problem. As I kind of look to uh, to wrap this up and uh, and let you get back to, to Stetson there, what are what what's some of your advice? What's some of the things? And there again, that's kind of a dangerous question. But what uh, maybe I should ask it this way, Shaylee? What are you and Jimmy doing during this turbulent time? Because I know, and I know you listen to the show, and you listen to Kirk saying, "Hey, the 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 tides are turning. You know, control is gonna is looking to be back in our pockets again. You know, that it looks to be moving in that direction. So I hope it is. But until we get there." What are strategies 
that you think that we can do or that that we can implement during this kind of survival time? Ooh, those are really good questions. And so I'll answer them from just kind of a personal stance. And I think that largely the old rule of thumb, the the rule of thumb saying that you make your money the day you buy, not the day you sell, could not be more true. Mm. And so as we roll into this new, as we roll into this pivotal time in the cattle cycle, you know, there's so much conversation about the cattle market. There's so much conversation about drought. But honestly, when we deal with drought and when we deal with the market, we have to have a keen understanding of where the current cattle cycle is. And so that's why I'm so excited to be honing in on that cattle inventory report that'll be shared um, January 31st. And so a lot of producers are going to wake up and realize that we have starkly fewer beef cows here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so that is going to drive prices higher stemming from the grassroots sector all the way through the feedlot sector if demand stays as lavish as it has. And so I'm very excited to hopefully be able to capitalize on that market as uh, we kind of look back to 2012, the drought that happened in the South and then the dividends that 13 and 14 had to offer. Now, you will not hear me say that we are going to have the year of 2014 all over again because that's a very reckless statement to make. But what I am saying is that there will be more dollars in the market to absorb and we have to be in a position as individuals as operations as cattlemen to be able to soak up those dollars and so i know that's kind of a bat from a bat from the hip or i should say shoot from the hip and kind of which way are you going to bat scenario because while it'd be great to keep as many cows as you possibly can how do you do that when hay prices mm-hmm. are north of 300 dollars a ton right. so Largely, I would just encourage folks to be very um, liquid in their marketing plans mm. and to do whatever you need to do in order to continue to play the game and be able to play the game in the long term. People wanting some more information, they can follow you along at DTN.com, also on social media. Just look up Cattle Market News. You'll find Shaylee. She's in many, many different cattle groups. And, of course, if you, you would like to get a hold of her, fire me an email, and I will pass those along to you, Shaylee. As always, I appreciate it. It's too long. We need to do this more often, I think to have you have you come back and have Stetson come back on too and hang out with us. So I appreciate it and I look forward to more. Hey, my friend, take care you and Beck and uh, we look forward to chatting about the goodness of the cattle market this summer. So until then, take care my friends. We'll chat later. This one is all about the markets, all about the prices. We've got Kirk on hold. Let's talk more markets. Let's talk more prices when we come back. Join me and my team from Neogen over the next few months as we talk about how to improve the genetic package on our operations. We get tips and tricks on how to be more successful with modern genetic tools. Commercial producers and feeders, we now get the chance to change the direction of the future. GGP, Igenity Beef, Igenity Branded, Igenity Feeder, Igenity and Vigor, all from Neogen, and you're going to figure out what program works best for you. Hashtag Ranch It Up. Can I interest you in live calves this winter and spring? How about getting rid of scours? I've talked about Pharmatan from Imogene Ingredients before, and I'm bringing it up now because your cows need to have Pharmatan in their system 90 days pre-calving to help eliminate scours. Pharmatan is now on my team of experts, so if you need some more information or have questions, just get a hold of me. You can head online to PharmatanUSA.com. You can look up Pharmatan on Facebook and Imogene Ingredients or call 515-745-1639. Hold tight. Before I say fairly well, I need to answer a question from a listener, and quite frankly, a question that I can only assume others have had as well. Todd in Georgia asked, 
Where can he catch up on older episodes of Ranch It Up? Well, Todd, I got news for you. Each and every one of our episodes is archived at ranchitupshow.com. Just click on the episode link, and it takes us to all of our past shows. Ranchitupshow.com. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for holding tight with us. Kirk Donsbach, Stone X Financial Incorporated, with me, as always, each and every week. Kirk, I thank you, by the way, uh, for taking time out of your day each and every week just to visit with us. I mean, I know at the end of our shows, I casually thank you, but I, on behalf of me and uh, everybody, I very, very, very much appreciate you taking the time to back us up and say, okay, here's what's going on right now to uh, to give us the numbers and just kind of share some information. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you, sir. I, and I appreciate you and all your listeners that take a few minutes to, to listen to what we got to say. So the numbers is your jam that <laughs> I always razz you about that. But uh, obviously what you do is based off of the movement with the numbers. So go through that information if you would. And I know, uh, according to the newsletter, by the way, we say it every week, but if you'd like to receive the free newsletter, just text CATTLE, C-A-T-T-L-E-2, 33777. There's a lot in this weekly, re- uh, excuse me, recap newsletter. So go through the numbers and take your time because there's a lot to digest. All right, we'll jump right into it. As of Friday, January 21st, March feeders closed 163.47.5. That's down 285 on the week with the feeder index at 161.10, down only 91 cents. So again, I always hit on the basis. That puts the basis at a positive 82 cents. So futures have actually sold off a little more than the, the than the cash market has. And I should quantify that that basis would be against the January feeder board and I quoted the March. So that might be a little bit confusing. But anyway, I think futures are getting a little bit long in the sell-off. We did have a cattle on feed report this week. It came out with on feed at 100.6%. The surprisingly bearish number was the placement number, which came in at 1065 the market was expecting a range of 100 to 105 percent. As I look deeper into those numbers, um, the 90-day supply of cattle is actually down 8 percent versus last year, and the heavy placement was made up of mostly lighter calves, with the under 700-pound class up 9.5 percent, and the 7 to 800-pound class up 5.2 percent, with the heavier 900-pound and over class down 2.4. So. I guess what I'm trying to get around to is I think a lot of that surprising placement number was early placements out of Oklahoma and Texas, which are now facing their own drought that the North faced uh, last year. Moving on, February live closed the week at 138.05. That's up 20 cents with cash trading 137 to 39 up a dollar. Kind of the big news, because we've all been talking about coronavirus again, is that the weekly slaughter Closed the week at 636,000. That is still down 26,000 versus last year, but up 18,000 over last week. So still a little ways to go as far as getting our slaughter back up to capacity, but definitely making some headway and maybe some signs that the worst of it is behind us. This has all been good for the Packers. Choice traded up $8 on the week at 292.41. To wrap it up, March corn traded 618 for the for the week up 20 cents and add a high for this move. So before we say fairly well, and I know corn is more 
kind of your partner, John Payne, that's kind of more his area. But can you answer this question? What created these new highs in the core market? I think it got started a few weeks ago. Uh, we had a drought going through South America. They got a, quite a bit of rain here oh, about 10 days ago or so. So kind of put the end of that. But right as South America was getting the rain they needed, uh, I'm sure everybody saw in the news that Ukraine and Russia were, were mm. bumping chests again. <laughs> yeah. That's a big wheat market um, and has put a lot of support into the into the wheat. And I think that as wheat goes higher, it also supports corn. So it's kept corn at these lofty levels. I tip my hat to you from one legend to another. And now for my famous last words and the tip of the hat. I thought y'all would get a kick out of this since we had talked about the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo. Wish we could have been there this year, but we couldn't. But how about this? Auction goers were chomping at the bit to open their wallets and support young men and women in agriculture during the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo, which is in Denver, Colorado. The generosity was evident at the 2022 auction of the Junior Livestock Champions, where the Grand Champion Steer sold for a record-high $160,000. The top eight champion animals, they tallied in sales of just a tick over half a million. Now, the money invested supports the junior exhibitors that raise the animals as as they plan for their, their college careers, their agricultural future, if you will. Now, just to break down for you, the Grand Champion Steer, as I said, sold for 160000 The Reserve Grand Champion Steer sold for 100000 The Grand Champion Market Hog, 60000 The Reserve Champion Market Hog sold for fifty. The Grand Champion Market Lamb, 42000 The Reserve Champion Market Lamb sold for 40000 tying the record set in 2020. The Grand Champion Goat sold for $44,000. The Reserve Grand Champion Goat sold for $23,000. I don't know about y'all, but I think Beck and I are in the wrong business. And now that's going to wrap it up for today, everyone. A big thanks to my crew. Mark Vanzi with LivestockMarket.com, Shaylee Stewart with Cattle Market News and DTN, and Kirk Donsbach with Stonex Financial Incorporated. Our sponsors, Pharmatan, Imogene Ingredients, Neogen, Allied Genetic Resources, LivestockMarket.com, Warner Beef Genetics, Medora Boot and Western Wear, RFDTV, The Cowboy Channel, and Wrangler. And crew, so glad y'all came with us just one more time, another time around as we ranch it up. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook at Ranch It Up Show. Our email, ranchitupshow at gmail.com. You can call and text me 24-7 at 707-RANCH-20, 707-726-2420. Spread the good word where it's always Tigger approved. Stay ranchy and ranch it up.